0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you might be doing, you are doing very well. The bloke you're about to hear from, his name is Andrew Strong. He is the voice, and some might even say the face, of the movie The Commitments. Remember that famous film that was released way back in 1991 or 1992? I had a chat to him ahead of his Australian tour, which took place in March of 2018. Talked about all sorts of things, including a tour, of course. So let's hear what Andrew has to say. Here we go. So, Andrew, you're coming to Australia in March of 2018. So can you tell us about the show that you're bringing?
1: Yeah, well, basically, um, I'm coming over in March and um, I'm going to be doing a lot of the songs from the Commitments movie and uh, just basically uh, all the songs, what people are familiar with. And I'll throw in a couple of surprises as well. But it's mainly it's heavily kind of commitments based theme and um yeah, that's that's kinda more or of less it really, you know.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And and mate, you you are obviously aware that you've got a broad fan base here in Australia, so it's been something of a twenty-five year long affair. Like I remember personally, my parents taking me to the movies to actually watch the film in nineteen ninety-two or whenever it came out. So way back in in those days. But mate, what's what's unique about your relationship with Brian. Australian fans?
1: Um, well, the first time I went to Australia was in nineteen ninety-two. That was my first tour, and. I just remember the first tour. It was just an incredible. It was probably the first proper big tour I ever did, you know, and uh, it was just incredible. I mean, you know, I was, you know, I would have been what seventeen, eighteen, then, and uh, seventeen, I think I was, and um, it, w- it was just amazing. I mean, you know, to go over to Australia at that age and and also to in the back of, you know, the movie and obviously the soundtrack was so successful. It was just a great, great time. And I got to meet a lot of great people. And even now, to this day, I, they're, they're still great friends of mine, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was just a bit of a love affair, really, what kind of blossomed from then, uh, from that point. And then just over the years, I just did other tours. And um, so it's great because of the combination of, playing uh playing music it's a combination of kind of having a holiday and a combination of hanging out with really good friends so i <laughs> yeah. mean what more could you ask for you know
0: like when you put it that way you're spot on you're spot on and uh yeah i don't know what it was it was just one of those things where um when the movie came out it just crossed over a lot of boundaries i think it um you know whether you were young or old or whether you were a fan of music or whether you weren't the music certainly appealed to australian audiences and the movie sorry certainly appealed to Australian audiences.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Well, I think, you know, I think from a social um point of view it it definitely it definitely hit a lot of hearts there, you know, and a lot of people could relate to that, you know, the struggle of everyday working class you know, if you're a musician, and you know the trials and tribulations you go through being in a band and dealing with egos, and so there were a lot of different elements a lot of people could relate with uh, within the movie, you know, and uh, and also you know it was funny and it made people laugh and the music was great. So I mean, it's it's a, it's it's very rare that you kind of you know you don't get movies made like that all the time. Hence us sitting here twenty seven years later talking about it, and you know, I mean, I've had, I still have people who come up to my shows today. Some people like actually crying because they're like, "Wow, I waited twenty years to see this," and you know, and um, and it's great. It's it's great to see the longevity of it, and it's also a generational thing. It's like you know when you say your folks brought you. I mean, my gigs nowadays. I mean, I have people like you know, who originally went to see the movie and then they have kids and now they're kids of kids and they're introducing them and they're like, oh, you have to go and see this guy live, and which is great. So, you know, I'm very, very, very proud and very honoured to, to be able to go to Australia and all over the world and, and show my gratitude, you know, which is cool, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's an important point you make because, look, I, I am a musician and I play in covers bands. Now, I reckon I've played Mustard okay. Sally... I reckon I've played that about 150 to 200 times at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's there's no sure aside. Yeah, well, look, man, I mean, mean, you know, yeah, well, I think think it's great. I think it's great. I mean, it's it's really funny because um, I was playing a gig there about two weeks ago in Dubai, and my drummer showed me a thing on Facebook, and... I brought out a live album there a couple of years back. Uh, it's called The Commitments Years and Beyond. It's a live thing I did down in the south of France, and there's actually a guy going out doing a tribute to that in 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 Europe. And you know, you know, he's got the shaved hair and all of that. So um, I mean, it's 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 quite flattering, but in a way, it kind of makes you feel a bit older <laughs> too, you know.
0: Was that was that the song that you thought had the biggest crossover potential to to achieve a broad audience?
1: Um, what, what what Mustang Sally?
0: Yeah, yeah. Was the, you, you know when you were recording the album, right, and when you were doing the movie? Was that the song that you thought this is going to be the breakout hit? Was that the obvious one when you were doing it?
1: No, not really. Because, like, to be honest with you, I was sixteen at the time. And, you know, really, the sort of stuff I was listening to then at that time, you know, was kind of, you know, a lot of kind of the whole grunge thing kind of coming out, you know, the early 90s, well, probably a little later than 1990. And I was kind of, you know, I was into like Madness and Adam and the Ants and all of that. So soul music was very grown up music for me, you know. So when I... You know, my father's a singer and he sang a lot of that stuff even before The Commitments was made. You know, he was well into all his soul and stuff. But uh, but no, I didn't realize that, oh, well, this is going to be a big hit for her. I mean, I knew uh, the director, Alan Parker. I knew his previous work, you know, with Pink Floyd, The Wall and Bugsy Malone, and Mississippi Burning and all those great movies. So I kind of had an inclination that, yeah, I mean, this is, we're we on to something here, but I, by no means did I at all think that, you know, we'd end up selling, you know, tw- I don't know, 12 or 14 million records. And, you know, four or five years ago, I got together with all the original members and we went out and played shows and we we're playing to like fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 arenas, you know, and I, I never thought that would happen. Um, absolutely not. So, um, I was quite naive um when I was making the film. Um you know, but, but I, I definitely I couldn't tell you after we made the movie that this song is gonna be a hit or that's gonna be a hit, so
0: Yeah, I've gotta tell you, you know, it's 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 up there with I mean, it's actually a, in Australia at least anyway, mate. You know, there's a couple of tracks. There's Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison, there's um there's that track we just mentioned. Um, there's The Horses by Daryl Braithwaite, and, and you probably know Cold Chisel, an Australian band, with Jimmy Barnes' case um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: actually met Ian Moss there. I met Ian Moss there a couple of years back, so I did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, just one of, it's become a cultural zeitgeist, that song. I mean, I see people in the crowd from 18 to 80. Literally, I've seen that. Uh, I play in front of audiences that are that broad, get up out of their chairs and dance whenever we whenever we play the opening strains of that song and what I love about the track playing it i 'm being a bass player, I can riff I can do all sorts yeah. of really cool stuff underneath it whilst Kelly the singer in my band just has a great voice, and she can sing you know she can emulate your voices uh, as as best as she possibly can, of course being a female being a female lead vocal, but you know we we all have a lot right. of fun when we 're singing it, and then the guitarist can do you know some great blues noodling over the top of it so it's a very versatile track, mate. I think it's going yeah. to be one of those tracks that just keeps on going.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 bizarre because, I mean, as you know, Wilson Pickett did the original version of it, and um, uh, I mean, not, not in any way to be pompous or anything like that. I mean, I met Wilson and I had the opportunity to sing with him that song together, but in a way it kind of... Uh, Probably our version is a much more popular version. I remember when I met Steve Cropper first, Steve Cropper turned around to me and he said to me, hey, man, I'm just so happy you recorded my song because I needed the money, (laughs) you know? And I was just blown away by that. I was like, Steve Cropper's telling me that, you know? So, yeah, but definitely, no, I, I mean, look, that's what music's there for, man. It's universal, and hey, you know, if it can inspire people to play, and as you're saying, you can riff under it, and you can have fun, well, then that makes me feel that I've done my job, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I think you, you own it now. I mean, I don't think uh, I think the commitments and Mustang Sally are interchangeable. I'm sorry to Wilson Pickett there, but I don't think anybody would probably even know, <laughs> certainly underneath the age of about 50, that it was originally a Wilson Pickett song.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's that's that's, that's, that's that is that is true, actually, you know?
0: So mate, when when you started out, of course, you know you you might have been green or what have you, mate. You know, sixteen. But did you even have an inkling that you'd be working and uh, performing, or even touring with some of the top artists in the world, like uh, Rolling Stones and Elton John?
1: Uh, well, I mean, when I was younger, obviously, I thought they they, they were dreams for me to come true. I mean, like I, I I I mean, I I come from a musical family. My dad is probably probably one of the most respected singers in Ireland. I mean, he is, I mean, if you speak to guys out of U2 or anybody and mention Rob Strong, they're like, yeah, man, that guy's a legend, you know. And um, so, you know, I I come from a very, very rock and roll, liberal kind of music background, but also quite disciplined as well. My mother was a bit of a disciplinarian, but in a good way. So um, yeah, so music was definitely in the blood from a very young age, and um, yeah, I mean you know the thing about the Commitments movie and I, it it really resonated with musicians even like yourself. So I mean you didn't have to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, and it resonated with a lot of big artists. You know, um, like I remember when I played in Adelaide for the first time. Back in 92 or whatever, I was in one of these, I was in the, uh, uh, I was flying to Adelaide, I don't know whereabouts in Australia I was, but but I was in one of these private lounges and I met Brian Adams and, um, and my voice was completely shot out and I had about 25 more shows to do, you know, because, you know, I was quite naive and stuff and Brian Adams he was a huge fan of the movie and brought me down to his gig that night. And we, you know, he showed me all these vocal exercises, and then I came down the following night and we sang songs together. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it resonated on every level. I mean, on on the musician who's a who works in a pub, and from a musician who who plays to maybe a hundred thousand people, you know. So, um, but yeah, very very lucky and very very. Very, uh, yeah, just very lucky to have those opportunities,
0: you know. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Yeah. Well, mate, it's been great chatting. I better let you go. Um, I think I've got a 15-minute allocation, mate. But, yeah, good luck with the rest of the interviews, mate. But, you know, congratulations on a wonderful career today, too, and being so endearing. You've been a great bloke to chat to, and it's it's always so nice to, I mean, obviously, um, you know, it had an impact on me when I was a kid, so it's definitely seeped into my psyche and consciousness oh, as a musician. that's great, man. That's so, great. So, uh, so, yeah,
1: mate. Yeah, yeah with great, it, man. Great, luck. It, Listen, mate. thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate your time, and um, yeah, have a, have a good day.
0: Yeah, no worries, mate. I'll, I'll try and be in the audience when you guys come down to Australia anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, do, do. If you're, you're come by, please pop by and say hi, man, yeah? No, we'll do, mate. No worries.
0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Andrew Strong of The Commitments. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>